Hey, people, this is Greg Pettix. I'm here to record the 16th issue of the Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. Um, I don't know why I continue to do this. I just can't stop. I'm sorry. Um, you don't have to listen, of course. And if you do, you won't be happy about it. So, uh... In our imaginary comic book universe, we are up to 1966. Um, To recap, for the past 16 episodes, 15 episodes, we've been documenting the history, the fake delusional history of a comic book company that never existed except in my brain. And uh, we started in 1940, and... uh, we're already up to 1966. So uh, we got a new title this year. It's going to be different. All new, all different. This is going to be Clawfang by Al Williamson. So this is going to be a barbarian comic. And once again, I'm stealing from the real world. Because Al Williamson, I can't remember if it was in Witsend, one of those... uh semi-pro fanzine type things or he had like a one-off or maybe he was a backup in like a Harvey comic he had a total barbarian comic way before Conan um of course it didn't take off America wasn't ready for barbarian comics yet I guess and I think it was called Clawfang so I'm just I basically it's a generic barbarian name you know whatever Clawfang's as good as any his name could have been Lothar or uh boo-boo. I don't know. But it's Clawfang. Because Al Williamson already came up with that name in our world. So in this reality, it's going to be pretty similar. So Clawfang, uh, you know, barbarian comics don't really seem like they fit into a comic book universe. But we've already talked about when we introduced Amazon in 1963 and the character was introduced earlier in Dr. Warlock in the late 50s, early 60s. That there are other dimensions... You know, there's a multiverse, if you will, in the Amazing Comics universe. Universe says. So Clawfang is from the same weird supernatural barbarian dimension that Amazon's from. But he doesn't, he sticks around. He doesn't come to Earth. So it would just be, you know, barbarian action in this very barbaric world. And, uh... It would be, um, but he could still cross over, you know, in comic books, people can go into other dimensions, like the Justice League would meet the Justice Society from Earth 2 every now and then, and it all fits into the multiverse, but it wouldn't happen much. Clawfang is going to be pretty much just its own thing, but right across the way through a thin dimensional membrane, the Amazing Universe will be happening. And uh, every now and then, Amazon might go back to her universe through some... Because she knows Dr. Warlock. He can send her back there. So she might guest appear in Clawfang. And who knows, every now and then, we might have... Very sparingly, we might have Clawfang come to the Amazing Comics universe. Which would almost be like that what if when Conan came to modern 20th century New York City. Great issue, by the way. Uh, Bill Sankovich cover. Can't remember who drew it. Maybe John Basima. 
But he basically becomes a gang leader in New York City. Because, you know, that's what Conan would do. He wouldn't try to get a job at Arby's. He would start a gang and rob people and stuff and mug people. So that's Clawfang. Um, nothing too exciting, but it would be great because it's drawn by Al Williamson. So it would be all these wonderful, beautiful, barbaric worlds, you know. And like I said earlier, Al Williamson was kind of a lazy fuck. So who knows? The Flegel gang could help him out, help him out like ABC Comics. Whenever he was late on deadlines, he had all these great artist buddies like Frank Frazetta and Angelo Torres, Roy Krenkel. They'd help him out. So maybe uh, a little bonus there. There'd be a few panels, a little Frazetta influence, Roy Krenkel helping him out on Clawfang. So that would be nice. So um, not much changes this year. It's just this new title. And uh, so in summertime, though, we have the Amazing Tales annual. You know, 80-page monster. And that's going to be Devil's Dictionary. Uh, Ambrose Bierce's great book of whimsy, if you will. And uh, who would be great to draw that? Well, I, I think it would be Basil Wolverton. So Basil Wolverton will be illustrating all of the entries into the Devil's Dictionary because it's all kind of humorous. And uh, Basil Wolverton was really good at that, as we know. So, uh, oh, I just realized I'm dumb. There are some changes in 66. In January, there's some more switcheroos going on. Because Al Williamson has left Galaxy Core to draw Clawfang. We need someone to draw that. So that's going to be Russ Manning. Um, of Magnus Robot Hunter fame in our world. But he's been drawing Starhawk for the past five years. So that's going to need an artist. So I'm getting Wally Wood in. He's done a, little, a few years of being a superhero artist. But you know Wally Wood. He loves science fiction. He's hankering to get back into that. And Starhawk is pretty still kind of a superhero. Almost like Captain Marvel or, you know, those cosmic heroes that were popular 10 years later. But um, but it's also got lots of crazy sci-fi hijinks. So, of course, you know, who wouldn't want Wally Wood to draw that? And since he left Captain Action, pure superheroics, we're going to get a new artist into the stable. And uh, that artist is Jim Aparo. Who, uh, right, I know it's kind of weird. He's basically just, I couldn't think of anyone else. Jim Apparo, though, in the mid-60s was pretty good. Um, when I was a kid, though, he was already getting pretty hacky and crappy. But I, I really think that his late 60s, early 70s stuff, even mid to late 70s, he still had this really nice style. Pretty damn good for a superhero artist. So, you know, in, you know, I can't have everything. I just can't think of anyone else. But still, that would be a pretty decent, nice, well-drawn superhero comic. Captain Action. Some of these things I'm not as thrilled at, as you can tell. It's just, okay, I need a warm body in there. Got to pick some artists from that time. Because all the really great ones are already... I'm already uh, employing them somewhere else. But, uh, you know, I wish 
Wally Wood could draw four comics a month. I'd have him draw four comics. But that would be... That's unrealistic. <laughs> Even though it's a delusional uh, comic book company, I'm still trying to um, hew to some kind of structure of realism. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Those are the changes for 66. Okay, 1967, we have a new title. And this one I am excited about. And uh, not necessarily for the concept, but for the artist. So in 1967, we're going to get another kind of archetypical superhero that you want in your universe. And this character is called Mandroid. So, you know, he's like the Vision or Machine Man. And you can talk about all those issues about like what makes someone really human. Artificial intelligence. Uh, can you program something to feel emotion? Uh, how real is it? So, uh, but it would be, you know, not a philosoph philosophical comic. It's it's going to be some fucking high crazy action. Where Mandroid's going to be fighting this monolithic group that created him. And he's going to break away. And So who can I get to draw this? And uh, around this time... One of the finest comic screeners of all time, literally, joins the Amazing Comics fold. And in our world, he was starting to really kick it into high gear in the comics world. And that man is Jim Steranko. So um, even in 66, he was drawn pretty darn good. Uh, well, you know, definitely better than your average hack or whatever. But man, by 67, 68, Steranko just starts, he goes nuts. He starts experimenting with panel layouts and totally changing the grammar of what comics can do as well as, as far as storytelling. And he fucking drew beautifully. So, you know, I don't really care what Jim Steranko's drawing. It's going to be nice. But I figure Mandroid would be great because Steranko loved to draw this kind of like pop art, op art crazy late 60s stuff he'd put into his comics. And Mandroid's going to be all these like circuitry boards and robots and high-tech, you know, uh, groups trying to capture him. So Stryker couldn't go nuts on this one. It's, it's going to be fucking fun, I think. And I'm excited about that one. And I like it. I like it. So Jim Stryker, finally, he's in the fold. And uh, we're going to keep him as long as we can. And we're going to treat him real nice. And like Marvel. That's why he left comics. He barely did anything. It's kind of sad. One of the finest comic creators of all time. Basically, I think he did drew 20 comics in his whole career. It was a short career. Okay, I'm sorry. He drew more than that. Because he drew a lot of Nick Fury's backups and Strange Tales. But really, the, it's such a small body of work considering how great he was and what promise and like how much more you wanted to see by him. So that's our new title for 67. Um, I'm, yeah, this year there are no other changes. So uh, we're going to go right to the Amazing Tales annual. And uh, I just realized, no, I didn't. I, don't, I realized nothing. I'm just a little drunk. So the annual for Amazing Tales that year, 1967, is going to be Cyrano de Bergerac by Will Eisner. And, uh, you know, in our reality, Will Eisner wasn't doing shit for comics. Barely. Every now and then he'd draw, like, a little spirit thing for Harvey Comics, 
when they reprinted his stuff, a new story. But he was like making a lot of money doing his uh, company, his visual arts company for the military. But in our reality, we actually might give him enough money because we pay better. We'd be like, Will Eisner obviously had this urge to actually create art. And that's why in his later years, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, he created lots of graphic novels, more personal stuff. So um, I don't think it's too far a stretch that, like, on one of his, uh, you know, he'd take a little time out from his running this company, a little personal project, draw Cyrano de Bergerac for him. I think that would be great. You know, Cyrano de Bergerac, very warm human story, romance, and <clears throat> and there's some hero, you know, cool fighting in it too. But you know, Will Eisner's good at that shit. Is uh, in the spirit, there was lots of human drama and uh, human pathos, if you will. So I think that would be a good fit. Cyrano de Bergerac, Will Eisner. Okay, I'm gonna try to do 1968. I might as well. I got nothing else to do. So 1968, we got a new title. This is going to be exciting. It's, okay, the name is really bad. Only because there's a bad band from the 80s called this. But in 1968, the name wasn't poisoned yet. But this character is called Night Ranger. Oh my God, I, I got to think of a better name. But that's that's what I'm calling them. I think if you didn't think of that band and how bad they are, it would be a pretty cool name. Because he's like this tough guy, like a ranger, but he's the night ranger. So he is, um, he's basically like, okay, we got our Batman now. He's going to be like the creature of the night type guy. And uh, basically, you know, no superpowers, but he's got lots of cool gadgets. And he's just peak specimen of human intelligence and strength. But yeah, that's all he is. But he's fucking brilliant. And uh, Night Ranger is going to be drawn by Neil Adams, who we've had drawing, uh, you know, Robert the Conqueror Force for a little while. So, I mean, that's going to be great. It's basically like, yeah, Neil Adams doing Batman, but it'll be our Batman. And uh, it's going to be better written. And also, I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I don't know why, but I was thinking, yeah, Night Ranger is a black guy. He's black. He's African-American. I just think that would be cool having a Batman guy, that kind of character. I don't know why. Um, I guess he doesn't have to be. But in my head, I always pictured him as this uh, millionaire playboy like Bruce Wayne and Batman. But uh, he's not a honky. So that's Night Ranger. You can imagine the kind of comics it is since I'm just ripping off Batman. But, I mean, who hasn't? Every comic book company has their Batman. Marvel has Moon Knight. I, I, I'm not even going to try to list them. Every comic company has one. So this is ours. And uh, so that, that's going to be a fun comic, especially drawn by Neil Adams. Man, 1968, he's firing on all gears. So there's going to be some artist switcheroos this year. So, uh, what's going on? Oh, hey, here we go. So, Neil Adams has been drawing Beowulf for uh, the past four years. So now that he's drawing Night Ranger, we need someone to draw Beowulf. We're getting Gil Kane. Now, Gil Kane 
he's been drawing airstrike all this time. And, uh, you know, since its inception. So who are we going to get to draw airstrike? We're getting Dick Giordano, a new, uh, new to the bullpen here at Amazing Comics. Dick Giordano, of course, kind of probably most famous for inking Neil Adams. Didn't pencil much, but he had really nice pencils whenever he did pencil. And, I mean, kind of looked like a, you know, a cut-rate Neil Adams. But a cut-rate Neil Adams is better than most artists in comics at the time. So it would be just a nice, like, slick superhero comic. Dick Giordano could pull that shit off to on pretty women, good-looking people. Because Airstrike's a rich motherfucker. And he's always got all these beautiful women around him. Little jet-setting playboy type. And, uh... Yeah, so that's the changes there. Airstrike is now by Dick Giordano. And then we got uh, Starhawk is going to be taken over by Steve Ditko. And uh, that'll be fun. Late 60s. I'm sure Steve Ditko could still draw the shit out of a science fiction comic, especially like a science fiction superhero. I mean, he did Captain Adam. In the 80s, he did that Starman comic, uh, which... Probably his last hurrah as far as the last time I can remember Steve Ditko like drawing well. Um pretty much by the mid eighties. He was just hacking out god awful shit at Marvel. He was getting old. Probably he was just bitter too that Marvel treated him like shit so much and paid him so badly. He's just like, Yeah, I'm gonna give you whatever. But late sixties, yeah, this is gonna look nice. Steve Ditko's imagination. He's going to be creating all these crazy space villains for Starhawk to fight. So that'd be nice. And because he's on Starhawk now because he left Coyote. You know, which he started in 1963. But, you know, he's had five years of doing this, like, teen superhero or whatever. He wants to broaden his horizons and uh, go out into outer space. So are we going to get to draw that? John Romita is coming over from Amazon. He's going to become the new Coyote artist. So, of course, Coyotes are Spider-Man, so, duh. John Romita was great following up to go on Spider-Man, so in our universe, he's going to do the same thing. Of course, it'll be a little slicker. All the women will be prettier, and all the men will be handsomer. But you know what worked? Romita does a damn good Spider-Man. So now that he's left Amazon, Amazon's going to be taken over by Wally Wood. This one's could be is gonna be great because Wallywood was so good at drawing women, really sexy women, and Amazon's this fucking huge Amazon, like six foot four, and she kicks ass. And Wallywood kind of liked you know the barbarians who are in sorcery milieu, even though she lives in our world, she's basically a superhero, but she's gonna have the trappings. You know her costume is kind of looks she looks like a barbarian woman. So he's going to leave Starhawk after two years and take over Amazon. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy with all this stuff. Add Dick Joy Daniel, that would just be okay. But all the other things are perfect. Where it's like, ooh, these covers are even going to be better now. So we got to deal with the only other changes we have in 68 are in Amazing Tales. We got other little lineup changes in our, like, goofy uh, Classics Illustrated ripoff comic. So, uh, 
Sinbad by Rudy Nebras is continuing. But Robert the Conqueror is gone uh, by Neil Adams. He's now drawing Night Hunter in 1968. So, we have a new feature. Oh, I'm sorry, not a new feature. No, we do have a new feature. A Thousand and One Nights. The Arabian Nights. Lots of tales in that. I don't know if there's a thousand and one. I think they've even lost some to time. You know, like, there's all these stories they collected. And depending on what book you have, some of the stories aren't in it. I'm sure there's a definitive edition somewhere in some uh, scholar's library or, you know, the some great university. But there's a lot of stories to tell. So, uh... And, oh, my God, getting this, this is going to be so nice because this guy could draw everything. And not only could he draw everything, he actually could draw, like, things that don't exist beautifully. His imagination, his style, unparalleled as far as drawing just, like, flights of fancy, nightmarish visions, beautiful fantasy realms that don't even exist in anyone else's brain. And that man is Alex Nino. So glad we finally got him in uh, to the amazing comics world. Oh, my God. Alex Nino, especially by the late 60s, he's so good. He's everything he drew. Some of the craziest, most beautiful shit you've seen. Just He's almost like Frazetta as far as just you look at his art and you're just like, this is good. I like it. Um, just amazing artist. But then his imagination was just crazy. Like, almost like Steve Ditko, where, like, yeah, who else would draw think to draw that? But he's way better than Steve Ditko as far as an illustrator. So that's going to be some good stuff. Um, Alan Quartermain's still going to go by Alfred, Alfredo Calla, and we still got Norse Smith from Jack Kirby. So, uh, oh, and if I, I forgot to mention, we also still have Dracula by Vicente Alcazar. Alex Nino, by the way, another Filipino. We're raiding right that country because those guys could draw. So uh, that's it for this episode. We covered three years. I think that's a first. And uh, just want to say 503-880-4545. Send me a text. I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to hear your fantasy comic book fantasies. So uh, until next time, this has been Greg Pettix. And thank you for listening to the Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. <laughs>